This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. We are special breakfast people here at Pantsu Politics, but not just when Beth and I are on the road. The truth is I want something warm from the oven every Saturday morning and Sunday morning. It's just the truth. It makes it feel special, makes it feel exciting. I don't want to work at it. So the first time I ever saw Wild Grain, which is bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries, I was obsessed. You guys, I've been a member for over a year. It's amazing. It's so easy. Every item bakes from frozen in 25 minutes or less, no thawing required. You can fully customize your wild grain box. You can choose any combination of breads, pastas, pastries. You can even build a box of only breads, only pastas, or only pastries if you'd like. And for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com pantsuit to start your subscription. Sometimes I make one single croissant just for me because I want to feel special and they're so good. You heard me. Free croissants in every box. And $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. That's wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. Or you can use promo code pantsuit at checkout. Trump administration officials are warning of Russian efforts to influence our elections. We share a bit of news and talk with the leaders of Homefront Rising, a nonpartisan initiative that encourages military spouses to speak up and get involved in the political process through advocacy and public service. This is Sarah from the left and Beth from the right. You're listening to Pantsuit Politics. No shouting, no insults, plenty of nuance. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Pantsuit Politics. On Tuesday, the gang will all be back together. Sarah will be here back from vacation, and we are going to dive back into our 9-11 series, starting first with... What was going on in the Middle East right before 9-11? What gave rise to al-Qaeda? How did the 9-11 plot come to be? That is, of course, assuming that nothing intervenes between now and then that requires our attention. But hopefully that's what we'll be talking about. We so appreciate everyone hanging with us through our vacations and appreciate our guest hosts and hope that you have enjoyed them. Today, I'm going to share an interview that Sarah and I did with Libby and Lauren from Homefront Rising. Before that, I want to talk about a little bit of news and listener feedback. On Thursday, Trump administration officials briefed the press on the threat posed to our midterm elections by Russian meddling. 
Director of National Intelligence Coates talked about how Russia is trying once again to sow division in the United States. He said that it is not as intense as it was in 2016 when they really pulled out all the stops, but that it is important and it's going on and we have to be vigilant about it. FBI Director Ray described lots of different techniques that are being used by both private and public actors in Russia. It is kind of interesting to me that the press asked that question, is this the government or private entities? And the response was a resounding both. Because of this little side note detail from the Manafort trial that's happening, the judge in the Paul Manafort trial has told the prosecution, that's the Mueller team, that they cannot refer to oligarchs during the trial. The judge feels like that term is prejudicial. It sounds like Paul Manafort was hanging out with these really despicable people, so he must be a despicable person too. And the Mueller team countered with, oligarchs are a thing in Ukraine. And wealthy business people with direct ties to the Russian government are a thing. And that's an important part of what we're talking about here. And we need to be able to say it. And the judge says, well, you're not going to say it that way. So I think it's important to remember that even where there are private actors at work from Russia, often there are at least indirect links to the Russian government. And this is going on again. I bring it up because I am noticing in my Twitter feed a lot of misinformation, a lot of tweets and articles being posted that just don't feel right. And as you start to look at them, maybe the language is a little bit stilted. Maybe the website URL has a letter that's different than what a reputable source would be. It is important to be so careful about this. Now, I recognize it's hard to hone that feeling when we have a president who gives a nickname to every person, process, and policy that he finds off-putting, but I think we have to really try because this is only going to get more serious. Our listener Meredith asked for our thoughts on an opinion piece from Evan McMullen and Mindy Finn that ran in the Des Moines Register last week. Evan McMullen, as you might remember, mounted a long-shot independent run for president in 2016. Mindy Finn was his running mate. The strategy for the McMullen campaign at the time was to try to win Utah and force the Electoral College to make a decision in the presidential contest. It didn't work. I voted for Evan McMullen in Kentucky. I knew that President Trump, then candidate Trump, was going to win Kentucky by a landslide. And so I decided to vote for the candidate who really did represent my political philosophy and values. So full disclosure, I'm a big fan of Evan McMullen and Mindy Finn and what they are trying to do with their new organization, Stand Up Republic. In the Des Moines Register, they write about how about a third of Democrats and Republicans feel like their parties have left them behind moving in one direction or another, and a huge chunk of the American populace now identifies as independent. And why are we leaving so many people out in our two-party system? They are advocating for the creation of a cross-party movement with real infrastructure behind it to try to represent all of the folks who are being left behind by the political parties. And Meredith wanted to know what we think about that. I'm very interested in Sarah's perspective on it. Mine is that I'm always in favor of innovation in politics, and I think we need more of that. I also think it is a very steep climb because we are so entrenched in the two-party system. I think 
Michael Weir's advocacy for fewer people to be independent and more people who are centrist and moderates to influence the parties is probably the more likely way to achieve some of what Evan McMullen and Mindy Finn are advocating, but maybe not. So I am excited to see where this goes and hopeful about it. I also recognize that not everyone is going to feel that way. As my mentions and email have hit another kind of a high point in the you're not really a conservative, you're not really Republican, your show is falsely advertised because you're a liberal in disguise moment, which ebbs and flows. I just am thinking more and more about how little I value party affiliation, how little I care about party unity. And I was having a discussion with our friend of the podcast, Bryn, about that on Twitter this week. I just don't see the parties as functioning in the way that they could or used to. And I'm not sure that I will ever return to seeing the parties in a positive light. So for me, this is kind of an interesting experiment. I don't want to take anything away from people who are really party people, because I would love to see two healthy parties. I would love to see several healthy parties, but especially the Democratic Party and the Republican Party, both of which I think at one time had something really important to say. If we are in a space where we have healthy parties and a cross-party movement and parties like the Green Party and the Libertarian Party and everyone's having a real contest of ideas, I think that would be awesome. I think we are very, very far from that place today. I think it goes without saying that I am horrified by what's going on in the Republican Party right now, but I'll say it. I cannot believe the advertising that's going on for gubernatorial and midterm elections, people actually driving around trucks, talking about hauling off illegal immigrants. I am very sad about how obsequious the ads are and sucking up to the president. And I think it shows again that this president is not interested in conservative philosophy at all. It's all about him and he is drawing people into that cult of personality. I want to say something about the Democratic Party, and I want to say before I say it that this is in no way an attempt to both sides anything, because I do think what's going on on the Republican side is so much more toxic than anything happening on the Democratic side. And I'm not aware of a lot of that because I just don't pay a ton of attention to it. My observation, it is not a criticism, it is an observation. My observation as an outsider of the Democratic Party is that I am surprised by the momentum behind the progressive left. And that momentum was very well discussed by Sarah and our guest host, Joe Kroger. And I was glad that it was highlighted on the show. I think it's important to understand what's going on in the progressive left and to talk about the nuances and what that even means. But I will say that I am surprised that in the Trump era, We have this strong push toward more federal control. I'm surprised by more enthusiasm about free college because of federal payments and universal health care administered by the federal government. I'm just surprised. The Trump era for me has caused me to kind of double and triple down on my concerns about authoritarianism and my feeling that executive power needs to be very severely limited and that what the federal government does needs to be rolled back. Now, at a policy level, it's not that I have huge disagreement with the kind of 
world that my friends on the left want to live in. You know, I want education and good health care to be accessible. I want lots of the things that my friends on the left want. I just want to get there in different ways and ways that, in my view, pose less risk if they fall into the wrong hands. And I feel like we're seeing what happens when our very fragile and precious democracy falls into the wrong hands. And so it's just surprising to me. Again, I understand that these are really popular positions and Godspeed to the people who really believe in them. It's just another differentiator for me and a reason why I don't think I'll ever be a Democrat. But I respect what's going on over there a lot more than I respect what's going on on the Republican side, where it seems to be such a regressive approach to trying to turn out people who fit into the most extreme category and to push people who haven't previously been extreme to an extreme place. Okay, the last thing that I want to talk about before diving into the interview is an article that our listener Lissa sent to us. This article is about Silka Marie Vinick who, along with Stefan Svizmanski, wrote a book called It's Football, Not Soccer, and Vice Versa on the history, emotion, and ideology behind one of the internet's most ferocious debates. Silke is a woman and Stefan is a man, and they talk about internet culture and the history of sports, language around sports, nationalism around sports. It sounds like a fascinating book, and I'm not surprised at all that NPR wanted to talk with them about it. And so Silke and Stefan sat down and talked with NPR for about 30 minutes. Right before the segment came out, they received a note from NPR saying that, sorry, the way that this all came together, it only includes Stefan's voice. And then when the segment ran, Stefan was introduced as the author and Silka was not mentioned. And someone else was quoted in the piece about the book. She points out it was another man with a British accent. Apparently Stefan has a British accent. But Silka was just written out of the story. Lissa writes, such a crystal clear example of how women are not just ignored, but erased from the conversation. This woman co-authored a book, was interviewed about it by NPR with her co-author, and then effectively erased from the broadcast story. It goes hand in hand with a study that shows female economists don't get credit for the work they collaborate on with men. This happens all the time to women. It happens to people of color. It happens to indigenous people. It happens to LGBTQ people. And I think it is important, as Lissa says, to talk about this and think about how all of us who have the ability to uplift the work, the very important and very sophisticated and very good work of anyone who is often erased from the conversation, that's our responsibility to uplift it, to amplify it, to make sure that we don't erase anyone and that we do our best not only to not just erase, but to promote that work. So thank you, Lissa, for sharing that with us. Next up, we are going to talk with the leaders of Homefront Rising. If you're looking for a very quick salon quality, but not salon priced manicure, Olive and Jean has you covered. We've talked about Olive and Jean's Manny system before. It has everything that you need for a professional manicure in one box, salon grade tools, your choice of six polishes. Those polishes are gonna last you for seven days or more. The cost breaks down to about $2 a manicure. Olive and June also has press-ons if you want. What I love though, is that Olive and June each season is coming out with new colors. And I just got a set of spring and summer colors in quick dry polish. 
and they say this dries in about a minute. It seemed dry to me in about 30 seconds. It was not kidding about being quick dry. I also love the light colors in this set. There is a huge range. My favorite one is called Kitten. It's like a pinkish gray. The quick dry polish gives you full coverage in one or two coats. It lasts for more than five days and it is offered in more than 40 cruelty-free and vegan polishes. Olive and June just understands what's happening in our lives, that we need to move quickly, but we want to look great and feel great and have fun in the process. Visit oliveandjune.com slash pantsuit for 20% off your first system. That's O-L-I-V-E-A-N-D-J-U-N-E dot com slash P-A-N-T-S-U-I-T for 20% off your first Manny system. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Can I get something off my chest? Every day I feel a little pang of sadness. Because I think about Griffin going away to college. Y'all, he's a freshman in high school. This is not healthy or normal. This is why I have it on my list of things to talk to my therapist about. We all carry around these things, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us. Therapy is a safe space to get these things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. You gotta get it off your chest. And you can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash pantsuit today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash pantsy just finished a court of thorns and roses and craving another fantasy world to devour dipsy's got you dive into spicy enemies to lovers tales or embark on an epic romance between immortal fae and sworn foes they've got fantasy romance stories perfect for your morning walk late night or long bath dipsy is an app full of short spicy audio stories They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. And there's a growing library of fantasy series with werewolves, Greek gods and goddesses, Regency-era historical fiction, and fairy smut to explore the bounds of your pleasure. New content is released every week, so in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to d-i-p-s-e-a stories.com slash pantsuit. dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. So we are really excited to be talking with two women who we're going to let them introduce themselves and tell you about what they do, but I think are going to really add to this ongoing discussion we've been having about what actually supporting our troops can look like. My name is Libby Jamison, and I am an attorney and a proud Navy spouse. Currently, we are in San Diego. And I am the outgoing president of the Military Spouse JD Network. It is an organization of all military spouses who are also attorneys. And we work a lot on licensing and career issues because when you move around every two or three years, it can be really tough to maintain a career. And we were fortunate enough to partner with Lauren 
and her partner, Donna Honeycutt, to start this initiative called Homefront Rising that supports all military spouses, not just attorneys, who are interested in running for office and seeking out public service leadership positions. Um, and I know we'll be talking more about that. So I'll turn it over to Lauren. This is Lauren Weiner. I am the CEO of a firm called WWC, which we started, my business partner and I started when we were on military orders overseas to Italy. She was the submariner. I was actually the spouse of a uh, Navy civilian who had been active duty Army years before. And basically, we got over there and couldn't find jobs. And mm. so we started the firm, thought that it was just for really for me to get um, some work back to in the States until I could get home and actually start my career again. And instead, we grew it um, to now having, what, 14 years later, having gotten the largest award from U.S. SOCOM um, to a woman-owned business uh, in the history of headquarters U.S. SOCOM. So... Uh, which was a $200 million award. So military spouses kind of started and, and moved uh, forward. And now we've got this growing business. Um, we realized very early that we couldn't, that we hired a ton of military spouses right off the bat. They helped grow WWC to where it is, but we couldn't necessarily serve all of the amazing military spouses until we got much bigger. And so we started a nonprofit with Haley Utlaut called uh, In Gear Career. That nonprofit focused on military spouses trying to maintain or create professional level work. And we sat with uh, Mary Redding, who is the, uh, at the time the president founder of MSJDN that, that Libby is now the president of. And it was during the uh, the shutdown, and or right before I think the shutdown, and all three of us were sitting watching C-SPAN because we're all geeks um, and yelling at the TV about how ridiculous it was and and how much this hurt our families and military families around the world. And one of us turned to the others and said, "Hey, wait a second! I am so sick and tired of being told to call my congresswoman or congressman." We all knew and had direct lines into our Congress people and still weren't getting anything done. Mm. So one one of us said, you know, I, I'm tired of being told to call them. I want to be them. I mm. want to know the people who are going to be our Congress people. I want them to have the same experiences that we do and really understand military family issues. And the rest was kind of turned around and said, wait a second can we do that? <laughs> and a couple of months later, we pulled it off. We got to the first home front rising, which was a, we, we called it at the time a boot camp for military spouses to get involved in the political process. And so we've been doing that now, maybe five, I think four or five years at this point and have done a number of them. So it's been really exciting to kind of turn around and say, wait a second, we can do this and then get everyone involved in it. It's been great. That is awesome. So let's back up for people who have never considered the experience of being a military spouse. Libby, when you said it's hard to maintain a career when you move every couple of years, can you say more about that and help us all put ourselves in shoes that we haven't worn before? Sure. So I'll tell a little bit from my perspective. Um, I married my husband 
my dad had been in the Navy. So I thought, you know, I thought I knew everything (laughs) about, uh, military life, but it was very different, uh, as a military child to military spouse, because we came to San Diego. I went to law school. We were really fortunate to be here long enough for me to even finish law school in one place. Um, I got my first job and started my own firm eventually because we thought we were staying in one place a few years longer. And then the Navy said, we need you in Florida. And so we left San Diego uh, in 2012 and just returned now. And so what is that? Six years. We moved four times in six years. And I think most folks who (laughs) have been on the job hunt know what a time consuming and difficult process that is. And to have to do that repeatedly uh, is is really tough. So we were in Florida. We were in Rhode Island, D.C. Um, I decided I didn't want to take a bar exam in each place, which, Mm -hmm. you know, is a whole other issue, licensing issues on top of just the career, you know, the job search um, can really complicate things. Because if you require a professional license at all, if you're, you know, in the medical field, you know, anything from hair stylists, um, cosmetologists, to doctors and lawyers, uh, there's so many professions that are regulated now. And transferring those licenses between states can be really difficult. It's quite a patchwork of, of regulations. And so the time you sit out waiting for your license is time that you're not working. And when you're only going to be in a jurisdiction for two or three years, Mm -hmm. it just becomes this self-perpetuating cycle of (laughs) giant gaps on the resume. And then is someone going to hire you for the limited time that you're in the, in the state? And it feels like by the time you're up and running and really starting to kick butt again and feel great about your career, um, you're starting all over again. So it's it's a huge challenge um, that a lot of folks are working on, fortunately. Uh, MSJDN has done a lot of work on the licensing front. So we've gone to now 30 jurisdictions will offer military spouse attorneys a uh, licensing accommodation. So as long as they're in good standing and, you know, fit and competent to practice, they don't have to take the bar exam again. And all 50 states have some kind of legislation on the books uh, addressing military spouse licensing. Uh, How that's being implemented (laughs) is still... uh, uh, TBD in in a lot of states, but uh, there is some progress being made. But so, yeah, that's a really long answer to say it's a very disruptive lifestyle, and especially for spouses who are trying to maintain uh, any kind of stability in a career. Well, I always tell people when my husband and I moved to Paducah, I say, you know, people are like, oh, I just couldn't, I can't put into words how much my spouse loves me or how much I love my spouse. I say, I can't. My husband took the bar again for me. That's how much he loves me. <laughs> that is a good objective way to put a measurement on how much your spouse loves you is if they take the bar again, because it is not a fun experience. And I think what's so important to talk about too is with the idea of supporting military families, I think there's this idea, and I admit to having it myself, that 
as military families move around that the military is their support network and the communities that they come into don't need to worry about it too much because the military is supporting them. But I think this is such an important issue because it illustrates, no, it's, that's, it's not that simple to make the military families themselves or veterans families even just an issue of sort of a closed ecosystem. And it's just all the military's problem and the military needs to support them. No, the local communities need to think about, you know, put pedal to the metal as the case may be with regards to all of our narrative about supporting military families and think about the impact outside of that closed ecosystem and how we can help support these families. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, we, we've never lived on base, my husband and I, we've, we've always lived out in town. We love settling into the local community and have really enjoyed, you know, we've been in every corner of the country at this point. Um, and we love being part of that community and we love our military community too. Um, but we want to contribute and be a part of something while we're living somewhere. And we never know, you know, we were in San Diego the first nine years. Um, so of course we were plugged in and needed that that support from from local folks it's not it's interesting to hear that um idea that the military is just doing it all for us because that's uh definitely not the case there are a lot of support programs but employers have a really great opportunity to Mm -hmm. contribute and hire some really fantastic military spouses who are adaptable flexible great organizers, <laughs> you know, used to working with really diverse groups. They're just fantastic employees. And I think the average time, just in general, people are staying in a job is about two to three years now from what I've seen. So military spouses are really not outside that norm. And there's so many, There's I, I'm able to work remotely. So I work for the VA, my corner of the agency is still headquartered in DC, but I'm able to work from the other side of the country. Um, so there's just so many ways that folks can support uh, military families. And really, I say it's a way that everyone can contribute to our national defense because if service members feel like their spouse is not able to maintain a career, they're more likely to get out. And if we want Mm, the military to be able to retain the best and brightest service members, we have to be supporting the spouses in their own careers as well. But as someone who's not a military spouse at this point, but an employer and a community leader, I have seen communities, and particularly my community in Tampa, step up and really be part of the infrastructure that supports and particularly as we've started having these conversations with employers, really starting to see the employers jump in and go, hey, yeah, this makes sense, not from a patriotism perspective, although there's part of it that's that, certainly. Certainly not from a charity perspective um, Mm. of, oh, these poor military spouses, we have to help them. But really, as a business perspective, it makes sense to hire military spouses because they really do make, I I will take a military spouse over pretty much anyone out there because they're just going to get it done. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, yes, we started as military spouses. Yes, we have kind of a, an agenda, um, as it were, to 
hire and and promote military spouse employment from our nonprofit side. But from the for-profit side, it's just good business. It really is. Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible, and skincare is a huge piece of that. I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin, and I have added Ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted clinical studies, so we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several Ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic, and Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online, and we were discussing the fact that I am 43, and she said, I cannot believe how young you look, and I thought, thank you, Ritual, for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. There's not much worse than a dry energy scalp. Also, when you get your hair colored and then it does not last as long as you and your stylist discussed, it could be that unfiltered, mineral-filled water is the culprit. Hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin, and about 85% of the United States uses hard water, filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered shower head comes in. Canopy, known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, has revolutionized the filtered shower head. Dermatologists recommended this unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water, leaving you with healthy hair and glowing skin. Best of all, the Canopy filtered shower head is hassle-free. Installation is a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement unlike any others on the market. Go to getcanopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered shower head purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, our listeners can use code PANTSUIT at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. And they've even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit right. It's time to get your problems solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get 15% off your order with code PODCAST15. I loved it when you said, I'm tired of being told to call my Congress people. I want to be them. So tell us about that process and that shift and how how you are helping people get there. The first time that we did this, this Homefront Rising event, 
It really was. There were probably 80 of us sitting around a room. There were maybe four or five, I think it was, sitting Congress people uh, that came in and did speeches. We had the DNC and the RNC, or I think it was the DTRIP and the RNC came in. We had no labels come in. We had all of these different organizations come in. And I think everyone in the room kind of got this excited, kind of, wow, we we really can do this. And everyone was excited about the concept of no military spouses can run. Yes, there are impediments to them running. Clearly, when you're moving around every couple of years, it is really hard to get a foothold and, you know, run for for a kind of federal office. But that doesn't mean you can't start somewhere. That doesn't mean you can't have these conversations. That doesn't mean you can't move home at some point um, and do this. And so from that first event, people started having these conversations. And at this point, we have, off the top of my head, I can think of, I know, uh, one person that is running for Congress in California. We have a military spouse running for Secretary of State in Michigan. We have had a number of spouses running for State House and State Senate, um, and we've had a number that have won local and statewide races. And really, a lot of them kind of said, wait a second, I didn't even realize I could do this until we started. And we didn't know what the answers were at the, you know, when we first started this. Can you run for office as a spouse? What are the regulations? So we had to start digging into it and say, what can you do? What can't you do? How could you do this? How could you fundraise? How could you meet the residency requirements um, to be able to run? What kind of offices do you need to go to? What resources do you have? What other resources outside of Home Front Rising are there? And we just kind of all put our heads together, all started doing research, and we all pulled it together so that there was one place for everyone to go to get to the other resources. We certainly aren't the only resource out there but we're the only resource that we know of that is focused specifically on military spouse engagement. I think this is following up on a conversation we had with some new Virginia delegates, which is the importance of different perspectives. Like you said, not because of out of sense of some charity or helping military families, but because we are all served when there are people in our legislative bodies with diverse perspectives and experiences. We get better solutions. We um, have a better handle on the problems that we're facing. And so I just think it is so wonderful that from this very unique perspective, um, you guys have joined together to really serve all of us by bringing that perspective to the table. And I think military spouses are really uniquely positioned to serve because we have seen school systems in six different states. Mm, We've seen how the government functions, you know, (laughs) having just moved, we've we're still trying to figure out how trash is collected (laughs) in our new (laughs) town, you know. So you get to see a lot of the different ways that communities function as you move around the country and can take the best of what you see in each community and apply that. So I think military spouses are just really made first. I mean, we're already service minded, uh, supporting our service member 
Um, military spouses volunteer at an extremely high rate, give back to their communities. So uh, running for office is something that just seems to, to make sense for this population. But one thing I've seen is the stigma where spouses don't want to engage because uh, the military necessarily, you know, remains apolitical. Um, and so we've had to do some education around, like Lauren was saying, what regulations apply to the service member? What can a service member do in and out of uniform um, versus you, the military spouse? These regulations don't apply to you, but what, you know, what do you need to be aware of if and when you decide to go down this path? I love that point about how you have sort of a best practices perspective because you've seen state and local government all over the country. That's that's really interesting to think about. Yeah, I think sometimes spouses see it as a negative bouncing around all the time. It can be very frustrating, like I said, to have to keep starting over again and again. Um, but one thing that really surprised me at that first home front rising was, I can't remember who it was, but one of the experts we brought in said, I think you guys are so well equipped because you have these amazing networks. You have networks everywhere you've been. You can plug into those networks for fundraising and volunteers and, you know, to start viewing it as a positive. So I think sometimes in our community, you know, you just get so frustrated and tired <laughs> of moving again and again. But to look at it as a positive and how you are building that experience and seeing these different um, communities run and building your network and making those connections literally around, you know, across the country and the globe um, is is a positive thing for many folks. Well, thank you so much for doing this work and for sharing with us about it. I know that we have many listeners who are going to be interested in learning more about Homefront Rising and the work that you're doing. So can you tell everyone the best places to find you? Sure. So they can find us all over social media. We're on Facebook, Homefront Rising, Twitter, and Instagram. They can also email us, homefrontrising at gmail. Awesome. Thank you both so much. Thank you to Libby and Lauren and everyone at Homefront Rising for the work that you're doing. Thank you, listeners. Hope that you have enjoyed our episodes and the nightly nuances this week. We'll be back with you on Tuesday. Until then, keep it nuanced, y'all. Fancy Politics is produced by Dylan Garvin. Elise Knapp is our production assistant. Dante Lima is the composer and performer of our theme music. Our show is listener-supported. Special thanks to our executive producers, Tracy Putoff, George Niedermeyer, James Randall, Cherry Haas, Nicholas Holland, and Chad Silvers. To support Pantsuit Politics and receive lots of bonus features, visit patreon.com slash pantsuitpolitics. You can connect with us on our website, www.pantsuitpoliticsshow.com. Sign up for our weekly emails and follow us on Instagram.